Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Frogcast. TCU is 7-0, just like we all predicted back in late August. TCU 38, Kansas State 28. The Frogs closed the game out with 28 unanswered points and put a nail in the coffin for the Kansas State Wildcats' hopes of beating TCU. It was a wild night at Amon G. Carter. We had a blackout. We got hypnotoed, pullovers, that, and a whole lot more on this episode of the Frogcast. Jeremy, the Frogs are 7-0. They're coming off a win against Kansas State. Let's just dive into what I wanted to talk about later. Let's just start it off, man. Did you see this coming? The Frogs are 7-0, number 7 in the country. No. In, no. Nobody saw this, did they? I mean, except for me. No, no I, I definitely didn't see this coming. I mean, you're talking to the guy that was predicting 6-6 six and six to 8-4, and four, and hell, they're one more win away from – meeting my expectations. So, uh, no, I don't think anyone predicted this, except if you're putting on the shoulder pads and helmet every week. I mean, obviously you, you feel like you're, you can go out and win every game if you do the right things, but hell full disclosure, I was thinking they were going to lose last night about midway through the second quarter. Um, the way the defense was playing and the way the offense was playing, I didn't know they were going to pull that out, but they shocked me, shocked me, uh, last night, just like they have all year. Well, full disclosure, I, of course, thought we were going to lose in the middle of the second quarter, but I really thought we were going to lose yesterday morning. I just, Saturday morning, I just woke up thinking, man, if, if one of these four games is going to trip us up, it's going to be Kansas State. We, we haven't beaten um, Chris, uh, Chris Kleiman yet. The, you know, Kansas State always gives TCU more than they want. I think back to 2016 when they came down to Fort Worth and just beat our loving heads in and and beat us like a drum. And I thought maybe we're going to see something similar to that. They've always found a way to beat us, but frogs come up big 38, 28, 28 unanswered points. So, you know, I'm living with this tension right now. My expectations are, they have not crept up. They have exploded through the roof. I have a huge hole in my roof for how high the expectations are. And I'm also really just trying to enjoy the ride. It, it, it's, it's, I, everything is house money, and at the same time, we're so close to this being an all-time season. So I, I, I don't even know how to feel about it all. I guess I don't know what to do with my hands, as Ricky Bobby would say. But <laughs> this, this is a special place to be. And I mean, I know this is kind of like how you close a podcast, but this is a special place to be. And so how, how, are you, how are you managing those expectations as one that covers the team from, hey, if we'd have told you we're going to go 8-4 and four at the beginning of the season, we would have said, that sounds yeah. good. But if I told you right now we went 8-4, and four, we'd all be hacked off. So how, how are you handling the, the, the increased expectations? I mean, I, I, I look at it from a different perspective. I mean, I'm not going to be heartbroken if they, if they lose four out of the next five games and finish 8-4. and four. I, I still think that's a – a really, really good season, and and that's that's just the nature of the beast. When your team does so well, you you don't think that. And hell, they're seven and zero, and the next thing you know, they're they're struggling. Everyone's going to talk about how bad the offense or defense was, and they got their expectations up so high now. If they lose, it's a it's a disappointing season, and I don't I don't think that's fair at all. I don't think that'll be fair to them at all. You know, I'll, I'll turn the question around on you and just see. If if TCU, let's say they're set, they're seven zero right now, let's say they they lose four out of their last five, but they beat Texas Tech, finish eight and four, then they go win a bowl game nine and four, 
if I would have told you nine and four before the season, you would have been pretty overjoyous for that type of record. So I think fans got to, they got to temper expectations a little bit. I mean, obviously winning's really fun and um, makes, makes you, your program look really good, but I, I don't know, man. I, I don't, I'm still, I'm still very impressed with this season. If they, if they lose four out of the last five, then, then so be it. Eight and four with a bowl win, nine and four. That's a hell of a season, but it is a lot of fun to watch them win. And we'll say that there's a lot better moods around the program when people win and on the board. Uh, yeah. And on the board, you know, winning just makes everything easier. Winning, winning covers a multitude of sins and winning, winning is just a heck of a lot of fun. It's fun on campus. It's a heck of a blast in the student section. People are not, man, you remember a year ago or, you know, 11 months and two weeks ago, how whiny everybody on our message board was of just, I mean, like it was a depression seminar or a depression support group of just how bad it was. All the stages of grief were right there being displayed. People were bickering with each other as if they should be AD and it was like fire Patterson or, Hey, we should give him another year. Or how can you say this after all he's done right now? All everybody's trying to do is, is, um, you know, make sure that we're not, you know, through the roof thinking if we don't make the playoff, it's, it's a disappointing season. So I, you know, you know, you said you put that question on me. I I mean, at this point, honestly, if we don't go 10 and two, I'll be, something will have gone wrong. That's the better way to put it. I, I will, I'm not in the I'm not in the dumps when we lose, but when we win, I am sky high. So that's kind of how I manage it. Um, I, I just kind of accepted last year for what it was. I think I've handled the Patterson change as well as anybody. But if we don't go ten and two, it's probably because something went wrong. It's not because um, it's some, if something broke, not because I think it would be a massive disappointment. And I think I'd probably be able to explain it and live with myself. So. It's a it's a great time to be a Horn Frog fan. That's all I got to say. It is a great time to be a Horn. Well, I, I'll tell you this: the the crazy thing about it is they're four zero in Big Twelve. Three of those games are or three of those wins are against teams that beat them last year. And I don't say just beat yeah. them; they hammered them last year. They lost Oklahoma big time in Norman. Lost to Kansas State, which all we all remember that was just a thumping, and that was ultimately Gary Patterson's last game as head coach. And then, of course, they got hammered last year in Stillwater. I mean, not only they – I mean, the, the scores were – That was the only game I've ever turned yeah, off mean, in being a Frog fan since 1994. That was obviously like, we're, I'm not even watching this. It It is amazing to see the turnaround in just a short, short year. Because here, here's the thing with if, – if you go back and look at 2014, yeah, it was a great year. The 2013, they went four and eight. But if you go back and look at that schedule, there were several games where they lost by one score. Oh, I think it was like seven one score losses. It was crazy in 2013. I know, and against good teams, against very good good teams, teams. and so that that's just what makes this 2022 season so much more remarkable. Um, and, And just the turnaround from these these are really. You have some new guys, transfer portal guys and, and whatnot, but it is just amazing to see how quickly they turn this thing around. And, and, and three of your four wins are against teams that beat you by three touchdowns or more last year. Mm-hmm. I mean, you didn't lose yep. to them. You got your butts whooped by them. You got taken out back and just beat down by these teams. And this year, you're you beat the heck out of Oklahoma – you beat a very good Kansas team on the road, which 
look what we'll probably talk about them later, but look what's happened to them since TCU beat them. And yeah, like you said, Oklahoma State was one of the worst games I've ever seen in my life for any TCU team. And let's not forget losing to SMU. Well, yeah, SMU. Year. That's another. That's another no, one. So you know, I've, I've said it on here before. It's the score was not the massive blowout that the other, like the Oklahoma State game. But you watched that game, and there was there was no confusion over who was dominating the line of scrimmage yeah. on both sides of the ball. Uh, SMU just ran on us when they felt like it, and their D line pistol whipped us all game. Yeah. So, you know, I, I mean, I know they're not they're a rival. I hate to break everybody uh, break the news to everybody, but they were they just beat us like a drum last year at the line of scrimmage. So I would I would even move that SMU game in there against those three teams that beat us by three touchdowns or more last year that we've beaten already. Right. I. I'm just yeah. amazed. I'm I'm amazed by that. Just it, this is this is so much. This is so much more than than what 2014 was so far. Just the way they've turned things around so quickly. That is quite a statement. I really like the way you're framing that. This is so much more than 2014, because you know 2013. Not to, not just for us old guys here. You know we had all of those close games. We should have beat Baylor the year that they won the big 12 in 2013. You remember that game after Thanksgiving and that, you know, one, you know, Casey Fahoff threw an interception on a drive that could have won the game. And it was one of the all time Patterson post game press conferences. We were in Norman playing the belldozer and lost by one score up there against the Oklahoma that, that came in second in the big 12. And so we, you know, we, we were in a lot of dogfights that year. We knew we had talent. It just wasn't clicking. Last year, nobody nobody thought this is a team that will be in the, you know, in late October in the driver's seat to get to the Big 12 title game. So what that does to reset expectations from here until the Iowa State game, I don't know. But I am I'm enjoying every – somebody at church came up to me and said, isn't it fun – he's a Tennessee fan – He's like, isn't it, isn't it wild how winning is so much fun and it makes you feel so much better about your day? And I'm like, yes, it does. <laughs> it just absolutely does. So, man. All right. Well, let's 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 pivot to an uncomfortable subject right off of that. There was a phrase you used on the podcast that we uh, cut the day that Sonny Dykes got hired. And you said that all the SMU fans said you got to start looking out for November sunny. And we got one more game until we get there. What is the history of November sunny? You know, I haven't dove deep down into it, but, you know, you just go back and read or just look at some of the scores over the last few years. It's They, they lose more games in, in uh, November. Being seven and zero isn't nothing. Isn't anything new to to Sonny Dykes. I mean, I think SMU was seven and zero last year, um, before they finished the season eight and four, something like that. Um, yeah, yeah, they were undefeated in nineteen when they came to Memphis in November and played the Memphis team that eventually went to the Cotton Bowl and got beat. I remember that. Yeah, so that's uh, it. It, it's going to be interesting to watch because you still have some really tough games. We'll talk about the the upcoming game up in Morgantown. I've got a lot of opinions on this one. Um, you've still got to play Baylor and Waco. You've still got to go down to Texas. And Texas is yeah. going to be a tough game. I mean, they they blew a huge lead yesterday, but that's going to be a tough game. And, you know, GP's probably in his back office game planning for TCU the last few weeks without even taking a look at Oklahoma State or any of their other, other opponents. But you've still got Iowa State. Iowa State's a, real, a really 
good defensive team. And I mean, it, there's just, there's, there's a lot of tough games left. And the good thing about it is that they, they've been battle tested and they've shown tremendous resiliency coming back. I mean, I, I'll, I'll admit it. There's admit it again. There's no way I thought they were coming back yesterday. The, just the way the defense was handling the, uh, Kansas State backup quarterback, he was throwing some dots out there and they couldn't get any pressure on it. And just you're just thinking, man, how many points is Kansas State going to score? The defense can't stop anyone. The offense can't move on Kansas State. And you just, you just start thinking the worst. But I'm just – the cynic in me is saying, how long can they play this way? How long can they continue to ride this high? When a, when a team's good – like they are right now, you have to be, you have to have skill and you have to be a little lucky sometimes. And I don't mean that by getting a lucky bounce here and there. What I mean is they've been pretty fortunate. I know some people, a lot of people have talked about it. They've been fortunate to um, face some teams when they're not having their top quarterback. And I'll admit Martinez going out last night was probably the better thing for Kansas state because I I think, yes, Yes, I think Will Howard is a, you know, I still remember Will Howard and Deuce Vaughn coming into Eamon Carter Stadium as freshmen, true freshmen at that, and everyone thinking, oh, man, TCU's going to – they're going to make these two guys wish they weren't playing college football, and they just ran and threw and did whatever the hell they wanted to do to TCU that day. I think I remember Will Howard. Didn't, didn't he go 93 yards on, like, the second yeah, play he, of the game or something? Yeah, he went – Will Howard went straight up the middle, and there was a, there's a picture out there somewhere where – they're lined up on offense, and it looks like it's like a pregame photo, like there's no defense because there's not one single TCU player in the frame. I don't know what the hell defense GP had called on that particular play, but Wyatt Harris was the closest person to the being in, being inside the box uh, against that play, and I think Will Howard ended up running for 60-something yards on something like the second play of the game. It was real early. Yeah. I think it was the second play on the yeah, first drive. Yeah, it was extremely early. And then, of course, Deuce Vaughn runs the wheel route to perfection, burns the heck out of everyone. And so, you know, I, I thought Will Howard was going to be pretty good for Kansas State last night. And actually, you know, Kansas State's not going to say this. The fans aren't. They're going to say, well, y'all beat us because Martinez wasn't out there. I, I think Will Howard's the better quarterback for that system. Uh, he's not slow by any means, and he's got a much better arm than, than Adrian Martinez. So it it's you know they they can make excuses all they want, but I, I do I do feel like them playing Oklahoma without Dylan Gabriel because let's be honest their backup quarterback situation Oklahoma is terrible Ooh, terrible. Uh, Kansas they lose Jalen Daniels, but again just like Kansas State looks like Jason Bean did just fine against TCU's defense as the backup quarterback, but uh, I, I think they. They get they get the not bounces, but they just make plays at the right time. The defense makes plays, and uh, I think what we're seeing here is things coming together all at the right time. Um, but again, I keep looking to next Saturday, and it just worries the heck out of me right now. To be honest with you, yep. Well, let's let's hit through a couple of other things from the game, and then we'll, let's talk about West Virginia here in a minute. So a couple, a couple of things to note here. Frogs put up 495 yards, 280 through the air, 215 on the ground. Max goes 17 for 26 for three touchdowns, no interceptions, continues to only have one INT on the season. 
Um, Kendra Miller runs for 153 yards. There was, when the Frogs scored the touchdown at the end of the half, something just told me they're, they're, they're back yeah, in it. That was huge. You know, and, and, and I don't know, I, I can't find this on a spreadsheet. You can't measure this. But there seems to be something that when they decide it's go time, the offense is able to do what it needs to do. You know, we look at the second half of the Oklahoma State game. We basically look at the entire second half, including the last minute of the first half against Kansas State. I don't know what it is with Garrett Riley. I'm not saying there's this massive deficiency or, hey, just come out and start playing like it's the second half in the first half. Give your, give your halftime speech in, as your pregame speech. But their ability to score and then score quickly, but without without having to run like a hurry up the entire time, they have got the ability to begin to connect on offense. And then once they're able to run the ball, it opens up their ability to throw the ball. And I, I just observe something in this offense that says when it's time to when it's when the game oh now it's time that they just get rolling. And I don't want to say they're unstoppable because that's hyperbole. But once they scored at the end of the second, right before the halftime, I thought they're going to win this game. They're they're back in it. What do you see on offense from the production yesterday that gives you confidence going forward? Well, they don't panic. They never panic. And that's the good thing I like Mm -hmm. about Garrett Riley. He never gets out of what he wants to run. Um, If you being down 28-10, you didn't see them abandon the run completely. They still utilized Kendra Miller. They still utilized Amari. They were still trying to get some some uh, plays off off run plays and get get some positive yards, and I think that's been real important. Just watching him do that the last few weeks, especially the last two weeks, with them being down against Oklahoma State and Kansas State, they don't panic. The players don't get rattled. Uh, Max, he he wasn't perfect against Oklahoma State. He was struggling a little bit last night, but he didn't panic. He gets it together and he starts making great throws and. The offensive line starts to come together a little bit, and I, you know, I said I said it a lot, and, and I'll and I'll keep saying it. I I don't I don't think there's any team out there that TCU can't score against. Now they're going to go in lulls, they're going to start slow. Um, I'd really really love to see them start fast in a game um, like they did against Oklahoma. That that game against Oklahoma set the tone the way the offense played so well so early on, but it it's it's got to be you know, really refreshing to fans, including yourself, Jeff, to know that this, it's been so long since you can watch a TCU game. And when you're down 28-10 to where you feel like there's still a chance for them to win it. I thought that score at the, the, at the end of the first half was big, just like you said. And at that point, they're down 11, they get the ball back and they drive down the field again. Kendra Miller makes a huge, huge play on a third and 17. Just just when you think they're starting to get out of it and they're starting to fall apart, yep. you throw to that sucker and he gets a freaking 18-yard gain on a screenplay. That was a brilliant, gutsy play call. I mean, it's a great play call, and Kendra catches the ball, breaks several tackles, and gets 18 yards. And at that point, I thought, man, there is – they're going to win this game because the will is starting to show in them. They're, they're about to start enforcing their will. And what impressed me the most about this whole comeback and them scoring 38 points, that's a damn good defense. Damn good defense for Kansas State. Oh, that's the best defense we've played that's, all year. That's what kind of – I saw someone posting on the board. Why, is it, why does it make me so mad when, when TCU 
struggles against Kansas State. Someone someone had posted that. I can't remember who did it. And I kind of feel the same way. And I think I know why. And it's 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 not a it's not a bad, you know, saying bad things about them or athletic, but when you see a team do so good that you know you're just your team is athletically more gifted, they're faster, they're bigger, they're stronger, and yet this team of a bunch of nobodies is still not nobodies, but players that they they're not that you don't think they're as talented as as your roster. You know what I mean? They're they're overachievers. That's the best word I'm looking for. Kansas State is a bunch of overachievers. They've got great discipline. They're they're smart, smart players. They're extremely well coached by Kleiman and his staff, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Offense, they're they've got a great offensive line, obviously got a good running back. Looks like they've got two capable quarterbacks. And Malik Knowles, he's a guy that got out of Mansfield that I'm thinking, man, he'd look great in a TCU uniform. He's he's a playmaker for them. But it's it's just one of those wins that this this might be the best win of the year because that was a very good team. That just overcoming, being able to stop that offense and then being able to turn around and outscore them 28-0 after you go down 28-10. But props to the offense, props to the defense. They held them to 87 yards in the second half. 42 in the fourth quarter. You know what they had against uh, Oklahoma State last week? Defense. Oklahoma yep. State had 32 yards. So this week, Kansas wow. State had 42. So what is that, 74 total yards, if my math is right? If my if my yep. Azel math. So the, la- the, the last math. two yep. games, your defense has allowed 74 total okay. yards in the fourth quarter. And I believe they've only allowed six points in the second half of the last two ball games. So your defense, Joe Gillespie, Gillespie starting slow, but he's doing something right. He's making adjustments, and those players are reacting, and they're playing great. They really are. They really are. Those second-half adjustments are – they're just insane. It's the best I've ever seen. It's the, it's the best I've ever seen. And so, yes, that is the best defense that we have seen all year. You know, you talk about, you know, the players being overachievers. Uh, how about this? Uh Chris Kleiman was the Nick Saban of FCS. Oh, yeah. I mean, this is not a guy that's like, you know, I'll just, uh, you know, run a simple offense and make it make it easy for guys to just go out there and play hard. He obviously gets the most out of his players, but this is a guy that's used to running the table and going 16 and 0. If he didn't win the national title at, at North Dakota State, he was he was he was dealing with the FCS version of Bama fans wanting to fire Nick Saban because they lost. So, I am a uh, I, I continue to be impressed with their program and what this this is the the new generation of what Snyder Ball was for 20 years in Manhattan, you know, in the old Big Eight and in the Big 12 and Snyder 2.0. This this is a heck of a staff that we were up against, and I'm curious to see what they do um, moving forward here. So they've got Oklahoma State next weekend, so that's going to be a that's going to be a heck of a game to watch. That will be not, uh, must see TV. For a guy like me, so it's you know, there's not a bad game in the Big Twelve this year. You know, that was what I was going to say. You know, you, you were talking about when we'll get to this in the West Virginia game. Not only do we not have a, a legitimate buy in off week during, in the Big Twelve um, this year after week three, there's no, there's no nobody you can take off. In you know, there's nobody you're like, well, we sh- if we just go out and play our game, we'll beat them. West Virginia beat Baylor. Yeah. And, you know, Baylor's not what everybody predicted in terms of winning the conference. 
But that is a good Baylor team that that won the Sugar Bowl last year. And so, you know, West Virginia, man, I mean, there's there's no bye week. At one point, I thought the wheels were going to come off, and maybe the lug nuts are loose right now. But there's this is a good Big 12. This is the best conference in America top to bottom. Do they have the best team? No. But do they have the – they have no Vandy. They have no uh, Indiana. They have no, uh, you know, garbage teams on the West Coast. There's no Kansas of the last 10 years. Every every game is tough. Somebody told me, you know, ratings are up in the Big 12 this year, and not just because, you know, everybody watched Alabama and Texas. You know why ratings are up in the Big 12? Because people gamble on football, and people love to gamble on close games. And close games are what get people in, and people making prop bets as the, at halftime and all that kind of stuff, and picking, picking up um, points at halftime. And so gamblers love the Big 12. People that are addicted to football love to watch the Big 12 because look at how many games you know go down to the wire in this league. And there's not one game that you can count on where you say, oh, we're going we're gonna to win that game or, oh, we're going to get our doors blown off of us. It's a, it's a heck of a league to, to cover, and it's a heck of a league to follow. And I think it's going to get even better going forward. You know, you throw Cincinnati and UCF and BYU and Houston into the mix. Those are teams that could – go anywhere from four and eight to 10 and two any given year in the league. And no one would really be surprised. So this is a heck of a league to be a part of. What's the, uh, what the game look like on TV last night? The stadium looked packed. The student section was insane. And when it was time to get loud, everybody got loud. Yeah. So it, 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 it was, they, the, the, everything has looked great on television the last two weeks. I went back and watched the OSU game, which I was at. And I was like, man, I mean, I'm watching the game. I'm like, man, I'm so glad I was there. Cause it was even better in person than it was on TV. And it was great on TV, but the Kansas state game night game place was packed, you know, blackout, um, standing room only is what it felt like. I know it wasn't, but Man, it was ridiculous. It was it was just absolutely amazing. So it, it looked really good on TV. How'd those uniforms look on TV? Oh, I'm I'm officially an old man zone. If the recruits and the players like the uniforms, I like them. And everybody's like, oh, we only we shouldn't wear black, or I don't like the red color <laughs> on there. Um, you know, back when I played, you got a white jersey and a red jersey and a purple jersey, and that's what you wore. I I it's it's the world we live in. Does your did, do you like all of your son's tennis shoes? No. Okay. That. Well, there's your answer right there. But do you keep buying them for him because you love him? Reluctantly, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Exactly. That's where that's where I am too. So I don't even like the flying tee. But guess what? Everybody's going going berserk about it. So I'm like, that's great. Good for you. God bless. Well, you. God bless. I'm probably gonna get some hate mail for this one, but I don't want them wearing a flying tee on the helmet. That was, no, that was some of the it. worst years in TCU history. With that it was. Helmet. I don't want now, If you want to sell, I don't want it if you want to sell that merchandise and people's, you know, their nostalgia, you know, they want to go out there and buy it. Yeah. Sell, sell the merch, but don't put it on the, don't put it on the helmet. I don't think it'd be, I don't think it'd be good mojo, man. I don't think so either, but I don't like the, the light purple and silver that we had for the Pat Sullivan days. I didn't yeah, like silver's that. Yeah, so. silver's not a TCU school color, Jeff. No, it's not. It's purple and white and, and black jerseys when we're ranked in the top ten. <laughs> so, 
you know, people that are complaining about jerseys colors, um, that means we're living a pretty charmed life. Those are first world football program issues. Absolutely. So. All right, let me take you to a dark moment. Um, I know it was uh, middle of the second quarter. Deuce Vaughn breaks one off for 47 yards, just, you know, gashes that defense, takes it to the house. It's 28 to 10. Uh, you know, I, obviously I wrote that down in my notes because I was like, I don't know that we're going to come back from this moment. But, you know, going back, rewatching a little bit, you know, reviewing some thoughts I had during the game. Deuce Vaughn had 12 carries, which I think was um, that's on K-State. He only had 12. He had 12 carries for 83 yards. But if you take out that 47 yard touchdown run, he was 11 carries for 36 yards, averaging 3.2 yards a carry. I'd say that's a pretty darn good night shutting down Deuce Vaughn if you take out the one home run, which I know counts, but it's 11 carries for 36 yards. I think Gillespie figured it out, and he, he was not a factor in terms of changing the game anytime after that touchdown. Yeah. I thought um, I thought they did a pretty good job of, of defending them, defending him in space. And there's a couple times he broke some tackles, and there was a huge play on, I think, a third and nine where Namdi was out there one-on-one with him, and he missed the tackle, and they ended up getting a first down. Um, that's the big concern for me, third and long conversions. We'll have a – we can have a broadcast with the topic being third and long and have a whole hour show about it. Um, but we will get an explicit yeah. rating. But Deuce was out for a while. I don't know. I don't know what was going on with him. Um, he missed a. It, it was funny because when Martinez was, wasn't out there, next thing you know, Deuce Vaughn wasn't out there. So I don't. I don't know if they said mm-hmm. anything on the TV broadcast. I haven't gone back and rewatched anything, but. Uh, he was he was out for a pretty significant amount of time there early in the first half, so I, I think that was I think that was pretty good. There, there's going to be all kinds of excuses. We didn't have Adrian, we didn't have Deuce. That's why we only scored 28. But I mean, you got to you got to play with what you got, and that's just part of part of playing the game. Sometimes you lose out on some guys, and you know you made a perfect tweet hey. yesterday. Hey, TCU's playing Go with ahead. their backup quarterback too. Yes, we are. Don't ever forget that. You know, maybe he was out a little bit in the first half, but when it's fourth and one and you decide to let your true your your third string quarterback run a quarterback sneak rather than give the ball to Deuce Vaughn, buddy, that's on you. How'd you like? How did did you like how Johnny Hodges just came through the line and just pounced on Rubley's back? I mean, he just flattened him. He's just like, get down. You know, I think every year we should find the baddest mofo at one of the military academies and say, buddy, you've already got a great education. You know, everybody from your hometown is proud of you. Why don't you come here and just do some special ops on on fourth on fourth and um, on, on fourth and one? Yeah, <laughs> yeah that, that's what I say, because, you know, he was he was at Navy and I'd say that um, he, he's a little more equipped to battle in the world than, than may say you and I are. He, Johnny is loving life right now, not being at Navy and nothing against Navy. He's just, he just always tells us it's so different. It's so different. <laughs> oh, I, I <laughs> you mean ludicrous isn't at Annapolis the <laughs> night before a game. <laughs> you mean the, 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 the showgirls and the cheerleaders are, are not equivalent at the Naval Academy. <laughs> yeah. 
I, th- I think I think he's living his best life now. I'll just leave it at that. I hope he's having a good time in college. That's that's where I will leave that. So, a uh, couple other things I wanted to hit on um, before we preview West Virginia. We always joke. I've got my drawer right here next to me. Sonny Dykes pulls out the drawer, uh, opens the drawer, pulls out the piece of paper. Everything that that every that was happening before that no one thought was fun. Let's just do the opposite. Let's just do all the fun stuff. And so we got the flying tea back. We got the hypnotoad uh, sweatshirts and hoodies that they're tweeting it out there, and everybody's going crazy trying to buy it. Uh, it just seems like there's a heck of a lot of fun around the program, and I don't know how much more commentary there is to be about it than that. But everybody is having a dang good time, and I think they'd still be having a dang good time if we were five and two. So. Um, props to, to Jeremiah Donati and to Sonny Dykes for not having the need to control everything and saying, is everybody going to like it? Well, then let's do it. Cause I see that every time I get on the message board, I'm watching the game, I'm listening to fans, I'm scrolling through Twitter. Everybody is having a blast. And I like that there is some fun associated with this program for the first time in a Hypno-toad long time. is making a, he's making a lot of appearances on the Jumbotron lately. Well, it, it's, Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe I just don't pay attention a whole lot, but I noticed it last night when they'll pan to the stands. His head will pop up on one of the corners of the screen, then it'll go down real fast. So they're they're starting. Mm. Did you notice that when you were at Oklahoma State game? Okay, I did. I did. He would make some unsolicited appearances, and I'd be like, "Oh, yeah." So I, I guess I just noticed that last night. I'll, I'm always looking down at the computer when they have a break, trying to catch up on. Um, doing the game updates, but yeah, I thought that was, I thought that was pretty funny that they, that, that they're starting to get that going and everyone's asking about the hypnotoad sweatshirt. Have you got yours ordered yet, by the way? Oh, have you got yours ordered yet, now? by the way? You know, I have not because I saw links popping up all over and, you know, to be honest, I didn't trust them. I didn't trust that they were real. I wasn't going to give them my 38 bucks to get hosed. So I'm just going to wait a couple of days and say, all right, who bought one? Who got it? Is it quality? All right, send me the link. I'll get in on that. Because I saw, I, I swear, I saw four different links to four different internet companies that look like they had gotten a, a, a site on Squarespace the day before. And I was like, I'm not sure I'm pulling the trigger on this one, man. <laughs> what's what's tougher, getting a getting a, a Hypnotoad sweatshirt ordered or Max Duggan getting up from getting popped about 15 times last night? Oh man, I hope I hope you got a nice bath last night. Took that one on the chin on that target call. Holy smokes, man! Oh, that was. But speaking of that call, I am so sick of whiny fans talking about how dirty our players are because quarterbacks keep getting hurt against. Not saying it's dirty, but it's a trend, Jeff. Oh. I'm not saying it's dirty. I'm just saying that Gillespie's out there telling them this is how we're going to win the game. Oh my god! I mean, what, I mean, to be uh, honest, when Jalen Daniels went down, looked like a routine hit. When Will Howard went down, looked like a routine hit. Apparently, Martinez was limping around before the game last night. Um, yes, yeah, that was residual. He, that was that was accrued from previous. I would say hits. the the only bad hit was Dylan on Dylan Gabriel. That was. Yeah, and, and and what did Hodge do the minute he left the field? He went to the sideline yeah. and bawled. He was, you know, you know, he's that kid. If I mean, I, I have some 
you know, off the record, maybe some candidates that wouldn't mind unloading on somebody in the head. Yeah. It's not Hodge. It's not. And, uh, I mean, he was crushed because, one, he's out of the game. Two, he doesn't want to hurt anybody. He wants to hit him hard. But he, he did not – he did not want to hurt him. That is pathetic, man. And I think what's tied to that is I've I've seen this trend. Man, I want to know, does, do targeting calls go up when a quarterback slides? Because they're basically surrendering themselves, and you're coming, and they surrender at the last second. And when right before they surrender, your head is in the right spot. But then immediately they drop, and their head goes yeah. to where their hip was. That's tough. And I just feel like the targeting call is going through. It's a tough spot. It's a tough spot. They've got to look at that when a guy is already engaging in a tackle and the quarterback slides because those kind of plays are going to be so bang, bang, and nine out of ten times are going to go to quarterback. But they've got to be able to look at the video and be able to determine if the tackler was already in the process of making a tackle, if he was already diving forward when the quarterback slid. Um, There's – there's a lot of stuff that refs need to work on, including spotting the ball. That was the big story last night with everyone. The the spot the spot of some of the runs that Max had were just driving me nuts. There was there, there was a time where they had a third and one, and then a fourth and one, and the guy on TCU sideline, the line judge on TCU sideline, was marking it almost a full yard back. He wasn't sliding. He yeah. wasn't sliding. He was diving forward. To me and to, to us in the press box, we're looking at it like, man, those spots are horrible. But luckily, he gave some spots in TCU's favor later in the game. But, bro, got to get your glasses out there, man, and get and, and look at these things a little bit better. Yeah. Yeah, I thought the spots were kind of, no pun intended, pretty spotty last night. But they got to do something about sliding and I, I i'm an advocate for player safety i'm on i'm on the side of that this is this is the call that needs to be made but man that that that's just another layer of complexity to the game that we're trying to save so i don't i don't know what to do about it i i just feel like i've seen it more this season than i have any other season and i'm not going to be surprised if it continues cuz quarterbacks are being told to get down we don't need you to bro up and try to, you know, truck a strong safety that's got a eight yards charging right at you. They're they're being taught to get down and save their bodies, but they're getting hit in the head and D backs that aren't doing anything wrong till a quarter of a second before the whistle blows are lighting guys up in the head that have no intention of doing that. And I don't yeah. know how to fix it. It's tough, man. So so watching that game last yeah. night, we had a lot of good players on both sides of the ball. Who's your player of the game? Uh, I'm my my gut reaction is Kendra Miller running for 153, but because I'm a I'm a legend in my own mind from high school football. If the running back has a good game, guess who had a great game? The head coach. The offense. No, the offensive line. <laughs> the offensive line, and so I I think my player of the game has got to go to the offensive line up front. And then if it's if it's not the offensive line making all the room for Kendra Miller and for the um, you know two uh, you know being able to run the ball, I, I'm going to go with Jared Wiley again. I mean good. he just he just continues. Yeah. That's your pick. He just continues to produce, does everything that's asked of him, and none of us are surprised when he you know hesitates for half a second off the line like he's blocking, and then peels out there and he is wide open racing down the field. So Jared Wiley's probably my player of the game. I, I should have asked Mark Cohen this 
It's been it's been a while. Maybe Pro Wells got that. Did Pro Wells ever have a hundred yard game? Do you remember off the top of your head? No, he. No, I think he had a multiple. I think he had um, a couple of multiple touchdown games uh, a couple years ago, but I don't think he ever I had a hundred yards. I remember yard the game. last time a TCU tight end had seventy four yards receiving, and led the team in receiving. Quentin Johnson also had seventy four, but I can't remember. Yeah, Kelly Blackwell. I, I, I'm I'm joking, but I, I don't. I honestly don't know. I, I did. Honestly, don't know the last time. Were you covering the team when Kelly Blackwell played? You weren't no, covering no, no. the I team then, were you? High school, maybe junior hall, somewhere around there. Um, but I, I remember he was a. Yeah. Uh, I mean, everyone remembers any TCU fan. I mean, he was freaking good, good, uh, tied in, caught everything. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I think Jared Wiley. I, I agree with everything you said, man. He's just he's becoming another weapon in this offense that you're going to have to figure out who the heck you're going to stop because you got Quentin, you've got Darius who might be the fastest player in college football. I think he's the fastest he's, player in college football. He can, he can burn it. He can burn it. Then you got Tay Barber, you've got Savion, now Jared Wiley. And then when you have to defend the pass, you're just going to open, open up the run game. You got to mess with Kendra Miller running over you or past you. So, or in mm-hmm. Amari too. So, I yeah. mean, the, Amari. The, the tight end position, I think Spivey had a good catch last night, too. I thought Savion dropped a pass, but it was actually Spivey. I couldn't see the numbers. They're both so tall. I, you know, it's, yeah. when it's when it's bam, bam like that, it's real time. I'm, I'm not watching TV. I'm, I'm looking at it, and I couldn't see the number good. But, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, Jared Wiley, what a, what a great weapon he's becoming. Well, who do you have on defense? Who would be your MVP, MVP on defense? defense? That's a good question. You know what? I He may not have the most stats in the stat column, but I seem to remember Nomdi making more plays. You, in games like this, you're expecting your big-name players to make big-time plays. You know, Ed Reed, remember Ed Reed said that? Mm-hmm. Um, but Nomdi's yeah. one of those kind of unsung heroes. He's a contributor, but no one really talks a whole lot about him. Uh, I think Nomdi had some good plays. I think I think Bud Clark had some good plays. Uh, it was a shame they didn't score on that Bud Clark interception. I think that's when Max got called short on fourth and one. Um, but you know, yeah. I, I I think when you have a secondary that's losing some key pieces, and for him to come in there and and, and make a contribution the way he did, he he missed a tackle on Deuce Vaughn, but he did make some other good plays. And I, I'm amazed by that kid. He's like five ten, five eleven, and you got to. You got a six foot three safety roaming the secondary for TCU right now, who's who's pretty athletic, and I think he's just going to keep getting better. Yeah, that's who I had as my defensive MVP as well. There you go. So. Great minds think alike, Jeff. Yeah. We're, we're not pre-planned this. Yes, I they mean, do. You and I do not do a pre-broadcast show. We don't. We don't. Yeah, we, we don't. We don't discuss these things. We usually do about three hours worth of prep. Yeah. You know, yeah. My Sunday, my Sundays absolutely have three hours of, and yours too. I'm sure you have three hours easily yeah. on Sundays, right? Yeah, easily. I got home from work at five o'clock, and then we're recording this at six. So, yeah, easily. Plenty of plenty of time on Sundays. Plenty of time on Sundays. 
Well, we've referenced it about half a dozen times, so let's get to it, man. Texas Tech beats West Virginia 48-10 to in the John Denver Bowl. Um, that was I did not see that coming. I, I thought, honestly, I thought it would be a close game, and I thought West Virginia, after getting that win against Baylor, would have some confidence and feel comfortable playing against Tech. Tech is, is hot or cold. There's really no middle ground. They did. They did. You know, they gave Oklahoma State a head headache. They beat Texas. They beat the. They just beat the brakes off of West Virginia. Um, that, that was a. That was a heck of a, a performance by the Red Raiders. If there's a. If there's a candidate for most Jekyll and Hyde team in the Big Twelve, it's them. Yeah, I, I really don't know what they are, man. I don't know if they're good. I don't know if they're bad. They've got some good wins. I think Joey McGuire's going to, you know, be a good coach for them. I don't know if he's ever going to lead them to nine or ten wins. But it's it's funny because I did not see that coming. I you're right. They West Virginia won a big game uh, the week before Thursday night game over Baylor. Had a lot of resiliency. Came back, won in overtime, and they go down to Lubbock and lose by 38. I'm just thinking, man. Neil Brown's seats was, was kind of pulled off after Ooh, Baylor, but now it's scorching hot again. You you just don't lose by that much to I mean I, I think that's the widest margin of victory in the Big 12 so far right oh I think so no no oh Red yeah River. 49 oh yeah well it's got to be up there second it, it, it's pretty high um yeah so I, I, I yeah. mean I, I did not think Texas Tech was going to do that to them uh, I, I did not think so either so what does that say about what the frogs are going to be facing when they go to Morgantown here's the thing man and and I when people listen to this, they're gonna start shaking their head yes because they're gonna agree with me. Morgantown scares the crap out of me when it comes to TCU going up there. Um, it does it doesn't matter if they're it, it's not a night game, thankfully, because we know it gets a lot crazier thankfully. up there at night. But man, not just for football games. I I will say this: Neil Brown does not have Sonny Dyke's number. Okay. He does, on the other hand, have TCU's number. They, they have whipped up on TCU, and whether it was Neil Brown or Dana Hogerson, there's just been a winning formula for them. It's it, They've won four consecutive games in this series. The last time TCU won this game in Morgantown, you know that when that was? That was 2014, and um, Jade Nobachrome came in and kicked a game-winning field goal as time expired in a game that was a yeah. freaking heart attack in a microwave. It was an incredible game, and I just I, I, I question how how long can TCU go on this ride? How long can they keep playing these opponents mm-hmm. that are good opponents back to back to back to back? They've played four ranked opponents. West Virginia is not West Virginia of the past, but they, we've all seen it. We saw them beat Baylor. They've got a good offense. They've got some good athletes on defense. They still got the Stills brother, one of the twins. The Stills or Sills, I can't mm-hmm. remember. One of the twins, I mean, they're they're playmakers. They're playmakers. Stills. So it it's going to be interesting. I'm Again, thankful it's an early game for them. Because I think the atmosphere, West Virginia, the, the thing that they do well is they fill that stadium. They're the, the worst thing for TCU right now is them being ranked number seven, because all that's going to do is bring the crazies out mm-hmm. even more. West Virginia is not about it, it, they. They know where their season at is at. They they know they have an outside chance of getting a bowl. But what what great 
what a great chance for them to be spoilers. Beat the number seven team in the country, mm-hmm. rush the field, do all that, eat beef jerky, burn couches, you know, whatever they want to do up there. You know, they sell moonshine, moonshine. at concession stand. There. But, you know, that's <laughs> that's the thing that worries me. They, it, it's been such a long time, and, and TCU, TCU's best team in, in basically the last eight years had to rely on a last-second field goal to get a win out of in Morgantown. And that was a, you know, 2014, yeah. you, and people argue which team was better, the Rose Bowl or 2014. 2014 was really, really good, and they they escaped with a victory up there. That That's the only thing that, that worries me. West Virginia has beat TCU four consecutive times, but this is what I'm going to circle back to, what I said earlier. They haven't had any – TCU has not had any problem when facing teams that beat them pretty badly last year. No, it's all, all behind them, and I feel Morgantown. I guess it's just the I don't I don't know the best term to say about it. It's just you, you don't feel lucky going up there uh, to, to play against them. No, but you've got to feel a lot more confident with this team going up there compared to the last two teams that have gone up there in uh, twenty twenty and twenty eighteen. Oh, easily, hands down, hands down. Yeah, 20, 2016 and twenty eighteen when we went up there, those games were just ugly. Which year was it? They lost forty seven to ten. Was that sixteen or eighteen? I think it was eighteen. It oh, was yeah. Will Greer. Um, yeah, that was. I mean, they were a better team, and it wasn't here's, even close. Here's the thing: JT Daniels is going to throw the ball to TCU. He's gonna he's gonna make yes, mistakes. He he's he's gonna force. And he's not—he's no. not a mobile quarterback. He's—they've he's, got some good receivers. They've got a pretty fast running back. Offensive line's pretty decent. They can score some points. Defense has a tremendous amount of holes in it. Um, so, it, even if—even if for whatever reason TCU's defense goes out and they give up big plays, they play this bend don't break defense we've seen all year. I still feel like TCU's the type of team that can go and score over forty points and. 40 points will be enough to win. Now, I need to reverse all this and use the reverse psychology and say they're not going to play well and they're, they're going to lose just so I can be proven wrong because typically when I say they're going to do something, especially the last two weeks against Oklahoma State and Kansas State, they've shoved it back in my face and proved me wrong. So we'll see how this one works out. I think it's either going to go down to the last – three minutes, like a typical Big 12 game, last two minutes, or the Frogs are going to just annihilate them. And I don't think there's really going to be any middle ground. It won't be an 11-point game. No, I think I think the Frogs are either going to just blow the doors off of them or they're, they, it's going to be a game that no one is going to – their heart rate is going to be like 420 over 680. So, yeah. Well, we have some other games around the conference and around the country that I think are worth noting. Uh as the as the TCU game was getting ready, everybody was out there warming up. We had Oklahoma State hosting the Texas Longhorns. Uh, Jeremy, do you think this is the year that a three loss Texas team gets in the playoff? That, that's all I'm really wondering about. <laughs> Man, how, what more can you say about Mike Gundy? Well, what more can you say about Mike Gundy? They they were so banged up. They had starters out that did, you know obviously Spencer Sanders played, but they they had starters yeah. out on both sides of the ball. 
Oklahoma State wins 41 to or 41-34 in a game that basically knocks Texas out of contention for the Big 12 title. I mean, they're, 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 they, 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 they need help to get back into the, into the Big 12 championship game. So I, I, I don't know what else to say about Mike Gundy. You talk about Kansas State, how they, uh, they are overachievers. Mike Gundy gets better athletes. Mike Gundy gets, gets players. And he is able to always field a team that gives Texas just a massive headache. And they won. And I, I'm not going to lie. I'm a blatant homer. I was pulling for Oklahoma State. I was cheering for them the whole game. And when they scored that touchdown to take the lead, I was pretty dang fired up. So I love it. What uh, What did you think about the coach right pulling now, that off against Longhorns? I'll or not. Perfect day of football for me is a TCU win and a Texas loss. I, I love it beyond beyond anything. And yeah, right. A&M's a bonus too. I, you know, but I, I don't and we had an really Aggie loss too. A&M. I mean, it's fun to see them lose, but I I just I nobody really, pays attention. No. I no. really, really enjoy it when Texas loses. I just do. I, I just do. I, I mean, it it's fun to see them lose. I do too. It's fun to go to their site and people calling for Sark's head. And I mean, just just wait, just wait, everyone, because in a few weeks you're going to see something on whatever Texas board you 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 go on, and you're gonna you're gonna see some. <laughs> post thread that's titled Sonny Dykes and it's going to say we have to go get this guy just wait it might have already happened I don't know but it, I mean it, it, it's going to money whip him and feel free to copy and paste it on the board when it does I mean I, it, it's going to happen because they're they're you know they're they're still a good team um, I don't know what I, I from what I understand Texas had a huge lead at halftime already scored 31 points and then just did not play well at all in the second half. Quinn Ewers, I did watch enough of it late in the game to know that he was 19 of 49. Is that right? Completed less. Yes, he was over. He was overthrowing receivers like like crazy. That I know he's talented, but yeah. We've been saying that about Texas quarterbacks since the day Colt well, McCoy got hurt. And if he had he's a hurt, they talent. He's, he's got an arm. Um, and, and, I can, I, and I'm going to show him some grace because technically this is his true freshman year in college. Yeah. <clears throat> so he's – I know. I think he's going to be really good. And I, and I thought I he was phenomenal I, against I Alabama. But, man, was he bad against Oklahoma State late in the game. Just bad, bad, bad. And – that poor, poor T, uh, Texas defense could not get a stop. It's, you know, props to, yeah, props to Mike Gundy. They could not. You come off a very hard game. You lose a you lose a big lead. You lose on the road in double overtime. And then you have to turn around and play another tough team in Texas. But you somehow find a way to get a win. And we're going to, if things play out the way I think they are, Jeff, I think we're going to see – Oklahoma State and TCU in the Big 12 championship. I really do. Hey, wouldn't it be great for a 12 and 0 TCU to be playing an 11 and 1 Oklahoma State? Well, that's State? what I've basically the winner's going people, to the playoff. Some of my friends, because they're saying TCU is not going to have a chance to make the playoffs. I think, I think, yeah, I think the Big 12. Oh, it's so strong it, this man. year. The parity is so strong 
and then you got a team like Oklahoma State and TCU, if those two teams win out the rest of the way and you've got a 12-0 TCU versus 11-1, you're right, Jeff. Whoever wins that game, they're going to go to the playoffs. They're going to playoffs. I, I just don't see any they're going to play scenario up. where that doesn't happen. Yeah. Because they're both going to be ranked. They're, you, you know, you look at it this way. TCU very well could be. I mean, I, and I haven't you looked at any of the other schedules for the other teams ahead of them right now. So I'm just spitballing here. I mean, you could very well have a, a, a number five or number four team going against the number six team. You know what I mean? So there's not going to be any. There's not going to be any yeah. scenarios yeah, where TCU's I do. I do. undefeated and they beat, let's say, Oklahoma State 55 to three, and they're going to drop three spots. It's not. It's not going to happen that way. No, just if it does, just theoretically, you know, just hypothetically. Mean, yeah. What can you say? Yeah. That's a bunch of cuss words. What can you say? I know. I mean, like, let's say, let's say that the the Big Twelve is fighting the Pac twelve for a spot. All right. So you've got Colorado, you've got Cal, you've got two Arizona schools. I'd say Colorado. As I say that, why would we want three of those four teams in our conference? Um, We want Utah. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. A good road trip in a in a in an easy win. I will not argue with that. I mean that that the bottom of that conference is hideous. The bottom of that conference is hideous, and their best team got to play Georgia. And what happened when Oregon played Georgia? They just got the doors blown off of them. So they got lucky. And count me. I mean, TCU should be ranked. They have a true freshman. That's that's my take. Quarterback. That, that, oh, they got so lucky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If it wasn't for Cup, you know, for him, for Cade, they would have lost. So. Mm. Well, it, it's always a good day when Texas loses, and it's good when the the real Big Twelve gets to shine. So I was excited to see Oklahoma State win. Um, Baylor beats Kansas thirty five yeah. to twenty three. I hate it for them because they were we broke really Kansas, well and, didn't we? They need yeah. one more win, just one more, baby. Get that win, get to that bowl game. I know, and I hated seeing Danny. One. One more win and get to that bowl game. And the, their fans will travel to that bowl game like it's a final four. So and I know I know you said we don't we don't really care about the Aggies, but I do laugh when they lose. And my favorite statistic from the game, are you ready from their loss to South Carolina? You know what my favorite stat is? 80, 85 million. That's the buyout. Eighty-five million. No offset. No negotiation. They Don't owe it, it to him. That is insane. That is true. I, I hey, love listen, it. I love it. They listen, can't get rid of him, and he's Texas not going to change. Did not pay he won't change players. one thing. We don't pay our players at Texas A&M. That's right. <laughs> we do things the right way. Can I just? Add, I want to. I want to go back and look at the preseason AP ballot, and who were the ad wizards yeah. that put them in the? What were yeah. they? Number six preseason. I think A and M was six or seven preseason. I mean, you, you just just turn your credentials in, man. Come on. What was it? Somebody said this isn't. <laughs> this isn't your daddy's eight and four A and M. This is a better eight and four A and M. 
Oh man, that gosh, man. I, I just I just love I just love how they're turning on themselves. That's my favorite thing is Aggie on Aggie crime. So they are they are not happy with each other. So oh, maybe maybe if, if energy prices are you know through the roof, maybe they can fire him. If not, I think they're stuck with him. That what they need is eighty five boosters to give a million dollars, and then we're going to finally get the coach we need for them well, to alter the hundred plus year history. Of the Texas A&M football program, so. Oh, I know. I've already seen that on message boards. They want they. We're going to get Garrett Riley. He's going to come. We're going to money whip him. Get him down here. Get him out of that Mickey Mouse program in Fort Worth. It's number seven in the country, and we're going to we're going to yeah. get Garrett Riley down here so he can run Jimbo's offense. <laughs> yeah, he's good, dude. I do, I do hate it for Haynes King that he's hurt again. I like that kid. He's a good dude. I, I I met him in a camp. He's a good dude. I like his dad. I, I, I like him. I guy. hate it for him. I hate seeing all that talent Truly, wasted you're down an there in A&M. Player. Oh, man. How do you, I mean, how do you go down there? Oh. I mean, if you're an offensive player and you want to – if you're doing a true due diligence of looking at factors for a school, how can you, as an offensive recruit, look at A&M and – Look at those numbers and want to go to a place like that. I mean, if if you want to get if you're if you're saying, well, I want to go to a place that's going to get me to the next level, you better be a five star already in high school and just naturally gifted to to basically be able to go down. Maybe as a receiver, catch twenty five passes. Yeah. Guess what? You still run a four three. Yeah, you're going to go to the NFL if you're that kind of speed guy and <laughs> have decent enough size, but. Yeah, that's exactly that's what I'm saying. Like, why? But that's you basically put your development on hold. Why would you do that? That's the beauty of it all, man. Yeah, kids, kids look at a lot of other things, and I think, I think now development is oh, probably about third on the list, third or fourth. Yeah. But whether you're from South Oak Cliff or South Lake, that's a decent why in the town. world would you want to if live you're in an 18 to 22 year old? There's plenty to do. We, we've got 110,000 fans in our games. I mean, what do you, you go pee on the ice at the Dixie Chicken? I mean, I know they're all yelling for Kip, and they got the right. yell leaders in their whatever uniform that is, their overalls. Uh, all right. Well, we've, we've clearly reached the end of the internet here. Yeah, that's right. Here comes the hate mail. Send all that hate mail to at Billy Lucci um, and on Twitter. He'll he'll respond to you graciously. Graciously. No. Oh, man. Eight no. Well, anything Let's else you got, Jeremy? Let, let them go to eight no so, I, so all the people on the board will stay happy. I think eight no. That's right. That's what we're gunning for. That's what we're gunning yeah. for. So I want to I want to dedicate this show here. Is that all right? Do I have some liberties to do that? I want to dedicate this show to Joe Bryan, a TCU grad from the class of 1950. And I am doing his funeral on Saturday. He was a TCU grad. He was a minister for 43 years at the church where I'm the minister at. And um, he 
would be disappointed that they preset the funeral because he died about a week and a half ago at one o'clock on Saturday. So I'm going to be in my office until about 1250 watching the game. And I need the frogs to have that thing in control. So I'm not checking my phone during while I'm eulogizing him. But he, the guy, he loved the frogs. He and I would always talk about it. He was in sound mind right up until the day he died. And he was really excited about the hot start to the season. And the last time we really talked about football was right after the Oklahoma game. And uh, Reverend Joe was was all fired up about that. And he was uh, happy to see the Frogs back to their winning way. So I want to dedicate this episode in a West Virginia win to Joe Bryan, one of my favorite Frog fans that has, was there for the highest of highs and the lowest of lows and got to really see us go out on a great season. So dedicate the show to Joe Bryan. All right, everybody, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Frogcast. If you haven't yet, uh, track us down on your podcasting app of choice. Subscribe, give us a rating, give us a review. And if you want to know everything that's going on, because recruiting really is heating up, no pun intended, you got to join hornfrogblitz.com at TCU 24-7. We've got all the latest inside information about what's going on inside the program, outside the program, especially around recruiting. You want to know the, the ins and outs of reports, of practice, as well as um, uh, uh, injuries. Jeremy Clark's got it all for you. He's the best in the business. Nobody covers the program better than Jeremy Clark. So for Jeremy, I'm Jeff Mitchell, and thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Frogcast.